0: Everybody and welcome again to "Submitted for Your Approval," a Twilight Zone podcast. And with me today is my very old friend, uh, both in age and how long I've known him, uh, Greg Bullard. Hey, man,
1: how you doing?
0: I'm I'm doing I'm doing great. Now that you're on the line, yeah, yeah. It, it's,
1: it's, it's it must be my age that's ringing it up and giving you confidence. <laughs> you got someone older now here. It's not just you and a bunch of kids, you know. Old,
0: older, wiser. Uh, <laughs> you you also have classes, and that's good. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. don't say wiser now. <laughs> You're going to get expectations up.
0: Uh, so, Greg and I, we 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 know each other from the United States Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we we both worked on airplanes together. Well, not together, but in this this general vicinity, right? Yeah, same shop. Near near each other.
1: Near each other, In like, like proximity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Close enough to throw and hit each other with things.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so we've been, we've been you know talking on and off uh, for about you know fifth, fifteen years. Yeah. Um, oh oh well, 12,
1: 13.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. <sighs> Anxiety. It's a minute. Anxiety kicks. So uh, so why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself, Craig? What do you do? What do, you do
1: Sure. Well, I was Air Force, as you said, and after I left the Air Force, I went to the University of Arkansas and I finished up my university work, which I'd left um, earlier in my life. After I finished that, I ended up getting on with a company. So now I work in hotels and to explain it, the fastest way is if you've ever seen Hotel Impossible, the television show, I do That's... the exact same thing. It's just I do it for one company, and I don't get to choose where I go. Huh. So like, tonight I'm in Chicago. Last week I was in Houston. Um, about two weeks, maybe three weeks from now, I'll be in Boston or Miami. So it's just kind of up in the air.
0: Um, do you do you ever get to go to Transylvania for those hotels? Not yet. No. The, there's there's two of them so so far, <laughs> two hotel Transylvania's. Um, that's uh, that's that's that sounds like your your mover and shaker.
1: Yeah, you get used to living out of a suitcase. Yeah. I mean, I have I gave up my apartment over a year ago, and I have a suitcase and a carry-on and my pool <laughs> cues. So anywhere I go, those are the three items that I carry with me. All the, my clothes and everything fits in all of that.
0: The bare just, necessities. They call absolutely. Them. Yeah. The, just so you can rest at ease. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: okay Ma <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, blue. That's blue. Uh That's all right blew. man. <laughs> well hey uh first, thank you for coming on. Second, let let's get into this. Alright, thank you all for right. having me. No, no problem. Uh so this week's episode is episode ten, Judgment Night, and it was originally aired December fourth, nineteen fifty nine. Uh directed by John brahm uh teleplayed by Rod Serling. And it stars Nehemia Persoff, uh, who plays Carl Lancer. He's the the main character. And side note, he also played Papa on American uh, American Tail: Five Goes West and American Tale. Side note, I, I just I thought that was interesting when I looked him. I was like, oh hey, Fivel, I've got a Fivel man here. That's that's all that's all I got about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so this episode. Uh, it so here, here's how it starts off. All right, uh, we're introduced to a man, Carl Lancer, and he's on a passenger liner in 1942, and he kind of wakes up. He's he's uh, overlooking the ocean, and he doesn't know exactly who he is. So he he gets goes into like the little bar area. He sits down with a couple people, and they're like, "Oh, uh, we we lost our convoy. Our ship is all by itself," um, and the this Carl Lancer guy says oh he, he like freaks out right all of a sudden he's like he knows a lot about German U-boats and submarines and about how they attack how the wolf pack attacks right they attack convoys if if they sunk this ship it would be a single U-boat and they all kind of look at him weird like hey you're talking like a German <laughs> um so then like uh the the next the next scene um he he goes outside he's talking to a a female uh, who looks like she's in the army of some form, right? Um, and
1: uh, or navy, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and he's still he's still trying to figure things out. And he's like, I know my name is Carl Lancer. I know I was born in Frankfurt. I don't, I can't do the, I can't do the accents, Greg. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's look at
1: me. I lived in Germany, and I still do the worst German accent. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, good. So then it's this is a good episode for you. Yeah. Because you can't do the accent. Uh so he can't figure anything out. And so then the first mate comes down and he's like, "Hey, the captain wants to talk to you about things." Uh he goes up, talks to the captain, and the captain pretty much is like, "You know an awful lot about submarines." He's like, "I can't tell you anything." All right. So now the next scene, uh he goes down into back into his cabin and the bellboy is helping him pack stuff up and he finds Um, a little
1: it's called a steward
0: steward yes thank you greg this is why i brought you on (laughs) to spot check me
1: (laughs) nip it in the butt early
0: (laughs) Uh, and so the the steward pulls out a white hat a white war souvenir hat which is a german u-boat commander's hat and carl He's like don't touch this hat, you know this, don't touch things that don't belong to you and he looks inside and it says carl Lancer, uh uhit Leut, Leutnant, the Germans version of lieutenant mm-hmm. uh, and the commander of the um the German word for camp commander of submarines whatever I'm not german i i can't I can't elaborate too much uh so he 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 freaks out and he goes to a bar and he's drinking um and he gets this weird sudden feeling that like at one fifteen in the morning, something bad is going to happen. And he looks at the clock, and it says twelve oh five. And he he's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. And he's like, "That's oh no! the 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 ship is going to get sunk by a U boat at one Abandoned Abandon ship! Abandon ship! He freaks out. He's running all throughout the ship. The ship is now empty. There's nobody there. He, abandon ship! We're going to get sunk. Uh, he looks he looks over. Um, well, he goes back upstairs and that's when he sees a U-boat in the distance shining the spotlight on him and he gets a binoculars he looks over at the U-boat and he as the commander of the U-boat is actually telling them to fire on the ship Uh, so the ship sinks uh, the guy dies presumably and then the the perspective shifts a little bit and now it's on the U-boat and Carl Lancer as the commander is talking to A first mate and the first mate is saying, Hey, uh, there are women and children on that boat, and we gave them no warning. And Carl Lancer, who's now a jerk, (laughs) says, You know, whatever, like they would have radioed back home. First mate says, Maybe our hell, we're gonna go to hell. Maybe our hell is repeating the same thing over and over and over again, and so. That is the end of the episode. Carl Lancer is doomed to repeat the same fate as those people over and over again till the end of time.
1: Ooh.
0: So, that's that's the synopsis. Greg, yes. what do you think? What did you, you think of this episode, first and foremost?
1: I thought it was an interesting episode. There was a handful of things that I probably would have changed up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the idea, and the idea isn't a new one, you know. Um, I, I've, the idea of a person, an individual, creating their own hell, you know. It's been around for a while, and it was, I think, really convenient at the very end when his first mate was saying, you know, what if we just keep repeating this over and over, and all <laughs> of a sudden now he's repeating it. It's like it was an interesting perspective on being able to put yourself, you know, to kind of decide or have someone else dictate You know what your eternal hell is. It was an interesting episode. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What did you think, um, particularly? Like, so I'll throw this out there. You are, I think, the first person that I knew to be an atheist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I'm going to throw that out there. Like um, that. So you are you are an atheist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. And so, this idea of uh, like a hell, you know, hell being a bad a, for a bad thing. And um, like, I, I don't know, like what do you, is there, is there something deeper about, you know, a, a punishment? Um, uh, cause I'll throw this. Uh, so, so Rod Serling, he said he got this idea cause he was at a sermon and they were talking about hell and he's just so um, kind of taken back by, by that concept that mm-hmm. he that, that was the the crux behind this episode. So kind of what do you what do you think about what do you think about that stuff?
1: Well, I think whenever you're comparing it, anytime you're introducing ideas of hell, you have to introduce religion. If you're spiritual with no religion, there are very few ideas on hell and usually hell doesn't exist. Um, for the most part. So it's different aspects of religion and a lot of times that depends on what type of religion especially that you grew up with
0: mm-hmm.
1: that will dictate your ideas. For example, um, Christianity and Islam have very similar ideas of hell. Um, in Islam, you get buried. You, it's not a gate that you go through, you walk over a bridge, you fall down, you're buried alive essentially, you're hit with hammers and snakes, things of that nature. But physically, not a very comfortable feeling. You know, you have Christianity where you get a lot of fire brimstone, um, which is interesting because if you read the Bible itself, there's not really an idea that you would arise to or come to yeah. of the fire, brimstone, demons, lakes of fire, things like that. There's some hints to it, but really that came much more from Dante mm. and English writers, you know, writing versions of hell. And it just got reinforced, reinforced, especially uh, Southern Baptists, you know, uh, preachers reinforcing it to to adults and kids growing up. Mm. Whenever you're getting an idea of you know, an individual creating their own hell. A lot of times that comes from more, of uh, more contemporary types of spirituality, yeah. new age, you know, because people don't like the idea of physically being on fire or in a lake of fire or buried, being buried alive. And so they'll take it as a literal, like a separation from God, you know, or if they're doing it, they're going to create something to punish evil doers because that still should be fair. But in a lot of ways, they're going to make it up as they go along. Hmm. And so it's kind of a newer idea. though It's, it's an idea that has been around for a while along and mainstream. I yeah. mean, it, it's much more uh, likely that you're going to hear that idea now as opposed to 100 years ago. And certainly back in the whenever this was filmed. According when this happened, um, they said in the episode it was 1942 when the episode would have occurred. So back then, you know, not a very dominant idea as far as hell
0: um, there is a, there's a part that I think is, is interesting in, in the show, right? So the entire show, we are in the perspective of, of Carl Lancer mm-hmm. and we don't know what his situation is, right? We're like, okay, he's, he's a German. He knows a lot about the U-boat stuff, but he's in this weird, um, I'd say sympathetic position where the viewer empathizes with him. Cause they're like, we don't we're with you. We don't know what's, what's going on either. Um, and then he starts getting a little scared and, and everything. And without knowing who he is, um, you kind of feel for the dude until you realize that on the other ship, there's the, there's the, the, the dick, um, who's like cold hearted. He has no, no qualms with, with sinking the ship. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so there's like, there's a dramatic, uh, shift in perspective where like, no, I don't sympathize with you at all anymore. Like you're a, you're a bad guy. Um, would you, how do you feel about that? Like, especially with, I could, we could see like a, with media, you know, media nowadays, um, you have people who are like, oh yeah, I feel bad for that guy until he turns into an asshole.
1: <laughs> until you get a little bit more background.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. You can almost, like, even some, um, like, uh, the election stuff lately.
1: Yeah, I think I you can. And if you're going to look at media, I mean, you could talk about it for elections, but I'll give you a great example okay. as a for example that's fairly recent. Wonderful. Uh, Making a Murderer, which is a series on Netflix. Yes. That a lot of people have watched, a lot of people have, you know, serious opinions, you know, deep opinions about, they're very forceful about them. You know, this guy's innocent, this guy is guilty. And whenever that came out on Netflix, a lot of people watched it and there was a lot of sympathy. And so you're getting that, you're getting one feeling, you're feeling very sympathetic about one individual. However... There are reports, there, there's an NPR piece, there's several other pieces that go beyond that. So when this was made for Netflix, it's taken from the family's perspective, the Avery family's perspective, and they're showing the police and the procedure as something that's happening to the family. Right. However, um, I'll give you uh, one of the examples. If you watch the piece, there's a incident where they talked about him getting in trouble for throwing a cat through a bonfire, yeah. and they kind of blew it off and said, United didn't. If i did something bad, you know, I'd tell you about it. You know, I'd admit it if I did it. I just threw a cat through a bonfire. Well, as it later turns out, he didn't just throw a cat through a bonfire. They doused it in oil and threw it into the bonfire. And so at first, when you're watching this series, you're getting a a lot of leniency towards the Avery family. You know, the police are after them. You know, this guy's, he got a raw deal. And in the beginning of his life, he did. You know, he was thrown into prison um, for something he didn't do. But once you start digging a little bit more, at some point you flip over and you lose any leniency whatsoever. You lose any sympathy that you had for the character. It wasn't just that. There were several other items, too, that once you find those out, you have a lot less sympathy. So your perspective completely changes. And then it's sad to say that, you know, the time that he spent in jail Mm
0: -hmm.
1: already for a murder he didn't commit, um, it seems in a lot of ways justified, you know, because he did take someone else's life. You know, the second time, at least I believe. So yeah. he was thrown into jail for a crime he legitimately did not commit. But if you're of the perspective like myself, he did commit the second crime. Well, then I just don't care, and he can just sit in. <laughs> he can just sit in jail forever yeah. and add add on to it those 14 years he did before. <laughs> so you lose any any sympathy for him whatsoever, just like you do with the U boat captain.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. I'm I'm glad that you brought up the, the making a murderer, because that is, uh, my, my friend Travis and I, who we host, uh, apathetic enthusiasm. Like we, mm-hmm. we talked about making a murder and, and really like it's one of those water cooler discussions for a time where it's like, Oh, have you seen it? Oh, have you seen it? And you see petitions out there like, Hey, free Stephen Avery and blah, 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 blah. Um, and, uh, have you, you've watched it, right? Sure. Yes. Okay. So there's, uh, to, to me, Stephen Avery, though, though his position, uh, you know, he's in jail for, you know, whether he did kill, um, Teresa Halbach or not, uh, mm-hmm. the problem with that trial is just the way it was handled, right? I agree. Um, but aside from that, these petitions to free him, I would say that, uh, their energy could be spent more so to get, uh, Brandon Dassey, the, the sixteen-year-old at the at the time of all this, like that, that is the the primary injustice to me. Like Stephen Avery, okay, yeah, but this kid had no chance, and uh, so that's that's where I'd like to see some kind of <laughs> hell for <laughs> people. I hundred
1: percent agree with that. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's watched the series, I haven't watched. I haven't uh, spoken to anyone who's watched the series that came away thinking that the little nephew was in on it and he deserves to be in jail. He had no idea really what was going on. I don't know really, you know, I don't think anyone will ever know his full level of involvement. But the kid didn't understand anything that was going on. So the idea that he should, should be tried as an adult, that seems ridiculous to me. When I don't know what his mentality is or if they, you know, said uh, spoke to it in Making of a Murderer. But Yeah. There's a lot of injustice going on in it. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear on it, uh, since obviously you've seen it and had discussions about it, I do think he did it. I do, however, think that a lot of the evidence was planted. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a crap trial. It really was. Yeah. However, yeah. in the end, I still think that he was guilty. So,
0: In, in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and so he should essentially be on the U-boat or mm-hmm. <laughs> be on the passenger liner every night for the rest of eternity. <laughs>
1: and here's, here's something I noticed in it that I didn't notice the first time uh-huh. that I watched it through. Okay, yeah, the, so as you're the, going uh, through this mm-hmm. and you're watching this series, you're only introduced to a handful of passengers. You're introduced yeah. to the captain, uh, I think one or two people that's working in, um, yeah, working then, in you know, you also have your steward, st- you also have your bartender. Yes, I think there's just one other civilian. There were a lot more people on the boat that no one saw. And what triggered me off to that is the fact that there was a bartender on a boat, and there's only seven or eight people. There's no way that's profitable. There's no way it's really going to happen <laughs> to have a steward for that. And it gets even worse because you've, the opening scene when he went inside, uh-huh. and he's looking around the tables, there's a lot of tables. And then if you remember in the very end, as the ship's sinking, you saw a child's doll floating yeah. in the water, and we saw no children.
0: Uh, no, so, no, no, you, you did. We did. I, so. Was there yeah, so it, when he first goes into the bar area, uh, there's a there's a mother with a girl who has a doll, and he actually interacts with them. She actually a- interacts with the mother and, and the child at the very beginning.
1: I'm sorry, I missed that.
0: No, it, it's, it's... I was it's just okay. watching it, too. It's okay. Uh, anyway, sorry, I, I threw you off. Keep going. You did. Um, <laughs> I just had to tell you you were wrong, Craig. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Thank you, sir. You got me Thank before. That's... <laughs> But with
1: having a bartender and a steward for that low number of um, people on the ship, I would assume possibly, of course, I'm just throwing something out here. So as he was standing on the ship, uh, on the U-boat with his binoculars and watching people, maybe it was only the individuals that he saw,
0: yeah,
1: you know, saw them running back and forth that he was locked into because those were only individuals he knew that were yeah. actually on the boat.
0: That's that's a that's a very good point, and that's one thing I noticed on, upon rewatch too. Uh, I would argue that the the mother and the daughter he interacted with at the beginning, maybe he never actually saw them, right? When he you know standing on the U boat, but he saw a doll in the water, so he mm. could he could put those pieces together, so to speak. Um, but you know, so he meets uh, Miss uh, Miss Stanley, I think, is the the female Navy. Like, he sees her burning through the porthole, right? The the fire is raising. Um, uh, there's a, one of the guys he met at dinner. Uh, he gets crushed by a boat, you know? So all those people, right, that he interacted with uh, initially, he, he sees them in some way, shape, or form from the deck of the U-boat. And you're right. Those are the ones he connects with. And those are the ones that he, you know, will see their souls, right? Uh, whatever. Every night. Um, exactly there was another cool thing they use the exact same opening from him waking up from uh like his sleep at on the deck of the ship they use that exact same scene at the end of the episode like so it's pretty much just uh they're like all right take that put that at the end there so it's so there's nothing different which seems to imply to me that the night goes the exact same way every single time So there's, there's not, there's not, there's no free will in it anymore. It's, it's just like rewinding the movie. It's like, start again.
1: And it makes you wonder at the end of the, when he's talking to the first mate and the first mate's the one who's bringing this up and he's scoffing, you know, the first mate even brings up religion or God and he scoffs at him. Is that what would happen to the first mate if they also, he also died, you know, however the captain did, was he kind of let off easier? Was he reliving his own hell in a different way because he was involved in that? Maybe if that was the worst thing he was involved in, is he also reliving the same thing? It's a yeah, dude, I, idea.
0: I had a, I had this, this thought, right. Um, with military guys, um, who say, well, I was just following orders and stuff like that. Uh, this, that the blonde first mate or whatever, like he's like, yeah, we fired on the ship and we did all this, this bad stuff. like, and I had this, had this ping of anger in me this last time I watched it. Cause I was like, well, no, you, you don't get off easy now, <laughs> jerk. Like you, you did it. You had your mm-hmm. chance to do the right thing and you, you messed it up. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling regret now, but as far as I'm concerned, like your fate should be the same.
1: Glad you have a little ping of conscious, you know, pulling, but you still did it. Yeah, exactly. That didn't stop you. Yeah, same. And, and the people are still dead.
0: You know, uh, things that happened in Guantanamo, uh, Vietnam, bad things that have happened, you know? Like, in and this concerns me just a little bit being uh, military-related, you know? Like, if we mm-hmm. get a candidate who uh, becomes president and says all this crazy shit, <laughs> right? Um, that wouldn't happen. We, the, the military, they... They're, they're put in a, a tough spot, I think, um, when they, they're they going to have to be a little bit more uh, sturdy in their beliefs, I guess, conscientious beliefs.
1: Well, both of us, you active currently and me former, we always have certain rules we have to follow. They're lawful and unlawful orders. I think it'll be interesting because I've seen the discussion on Facebook before. What happens if a certain candidate If he were to become president and were to give unlawful orders, you know, and it specifically I brought up when I was talking about bombing the families of terrorists Mm -hmm. to get them, you got to kill their families, kill their families. They say they don't care, but they care, which goes against not only every moral grain that a person should have in their heart of hearts, but also goes against Geneva Conventions. I mean, that's just to kill the goes across any Code of conduct against any rules of engagement. To kill the family of an individual for the crimes of an individual, that's that's ludicrous. Where mm-hmm. would I stand on that? I'm not doing it. I'm not pulling that trigger. Yeah. Throw me in jail. Put me on trial. I don't care. I'll take my day in court over that. I have the greatest conscience that you would ever imagine. It's huge. It's huge and it's touchy. That's how I explain it. <laughs> it's big. It's like a big lumbering uh... teddy bear. It's very touchy. So. If I do something wrong, I feel
0: it. I know. And I really, I really have never appreciated that about you because your conscious is always touching. It's, it's really uncomfortable, Greg.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I have a talk with it.
0: (laughs) All right. All right, man. Uh, So overall, what what, what would you give this episode? You choose your rating system.
1: Sure. I'll do it on a one to 10 scale. All right. Um, If I were to do it, I'd say five. It was a good, interesting episode, but I wouldn't put it on one of my top 10 lists.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, Hey, thanks, Greg. Thanks. Uh, is there, is there anything you want to say in closing?
1: No, but thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been fun to, uh, to sit down again and do some recordings.
0: Yeah. Hey, any, any, any time, anytime I have a list of episodes that you can, <laughs> you can watch and we can record. All right. That works. So, all right, man. Well, for the rest of you, uh, thank Greg. Thank Greg. You don't have to do it here. But uh, you can you can reach me in a multitude of ways. I am on Twitter. I'm at S4YA underscore podcast. You can hit me up at Gmail, S4YA podcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, kinda, S4YA, S4YA underscore podcast. And, of course, if you want, rate me on iTunes. You don't have to, but I'll just throw that out there just for the heck of it and that and that's it again thank you so much greg you're a doll (laughs) (laughs) and until next thanks for
1: having me on honestly it's been fun all
0: right and uh yeah to the rest of you a good day